You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a pretty fly for a white guy tuxedo Tuesday. Crunch time right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, 402 on your Tuesday. James Mesh, the producer and co-host, Mastradamus. Made that word up. Um, So we're, we're decked out today, my guy. We got that Tuxedo Tuesday going on. Yeah, we we, we uh, I, I look uh, as as our TV guy Aaron called me uh, a, a broke mob boss. <laughs> that's and that's an accurate description. Look like a broke mob boss, and James, you know, got the red paisley suit going on and just looking all fly. There you go. There you go. Seven zero six zero one one one. If you want to get in on the action and here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium thirty two point three and Channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. Today we are going to have a preview of the South Alabama Jaguars before they come to Cajun Field on Saturday. And then at five thirty, we're going to go to the moon with Apollo Des of Apollo H O U. The Houston Astros sitting at you know a million and very little 101 and 53 but you you know what i'm saying so 101 and 53 they're first in the west they they've won the west uh they have a 17 game lead on seattle and their magic number to clinch home field in the american league is 2 so if they win tonight and the Yankees lose again. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there. But I believe that that would be enough. I don't really, I'm not super knowledgeable on the whole MLB magic number thing. But I'm almost certain the Astros win tonight and the Yankees lose, that that would lock up home field for the Houston Astros. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that 7-10 first pitch tonight against the Diamondbacks. Lance McCullers was scratched from his start. Luis Garcia will go in his place. Once again, 7-10 first pitch pregame show at 640, and you can catch it right here on the game. All right, James, poll question of the day. You and I kind of had some... Some fun talking about this a second oh, this, ago. This is good. I, I wanted it was so good to me that I wanted to bring it up on air. So we asked what your favorite organized sport was as a child. And so far, more people leaning towards It's a very early race, but it's it's even with baseball and football and yeah. it, it's coming right up the rear with basketball. So, I've got a funny story about football. You had a few. Well, so I'm a big guy. 
always kind of have been a pretty big guy, um, e- e- even as a kid. So naturally, I was put on the offensive line, right guard to be exact. And uh, so I don't like <laughs> I don't like to be hit, and I don't like hitting people. Just not my thing. I learned very early on football was not my sport. <laughs> and um, so there there was a game where the linebacker comes blitz, and I pulled uh, Andrews Pete, and I put my hands out to block him, and he just sidesteps me, and I wasn't fast enough to shuffle my feet and catch him. But anyways, um, ends up breaking my running back's arm. And we didn't have him for the championship game. So we ended up losing in the championship game. And I, I kind of felt like it was my fault. Um, so then I, I went home and, and told my parents that I didn't want to play football anymore. And when they asked why, I said, well, I'm not very good at it. I don't <laughs> like to get hit. I don't like hitting people. It's, like, it's just not really my thing. Yeah, offensive line's not not for you, no, bud. You no, no. You know, it'd been funny if you were the kicker. See, I I could have been a kicker. I was just so. Here's the thing. I don't know how it was in 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 Broussard and and Lafayette and wherever else. I grew up in Crowley. Crowley. So there was a rule in the Crowley Rec Department where if you were over, I don't remember the, the a, like a certain weight. Yeah, you had to be on the offensive line. <laughs> like you could not play anywhere else. It was either offensive or defensive line. And to differentiate, so the the wreck helmets in Crowley were just solid white. And then they had, you know, the Crowley Rec Department logo on the sides. So what they would do is they would put a black stripe down the center of the helmet. And if your helmet had a black stripe, you were a lineman. So that was like the, the rule. Um, so I had to play offensive line, and I didn't like it. And so I stopped playing football. And then, so, you know, I said, look, I'll stick to baseball, basketball, and soccer. Well, baseball season came along. And this was around the time of my life where the pitching machine goes away. And, you know, kids started pitching to me. So that was about age nine? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, would, that would be accurate. I played football till 11. So I was probably 10 or 11. Um, and... You know, just I, I'm I'm gonna be blatantly honest. My bat speed at 11 years old was not fast enough to keep up with my my classmates pitching to me. Um, so I struck out a lot. Yeah, I, I wasn't very good at batting either. I'm pretty sure I led the team in strikeouts and walks because I got walked a lot too. Because when you're 11, you don't really have a whole lot of control. The ball just kind of goes all over the place. Um, so I got walked a lot. And, uh, and I was telling James, you know, I'd get to first base. I wasn't fast enough to go anywhere else. So <laughs> just kind of hung out on first base a lot. And then one day I said, okay, baseball's not fun anymore either. So basketball and soccer it was. It's fair. I played, I played soccer until the Crowley Rack Department wouldn't let me play anymore. I remember I played one year of organized football. And the one year we had won the Turkey Bowl. For BYYA. That was when I was in 8th grade. It was interesting. 
I was probably about Oh man. So this wasn't even high school yet. So I was about four seven, four eight, about eighty, ninety pounds. And I was the I was the number one receiver on the on the on the depth chart. Can you guess how many receptions I had all year? Well, if you were the number one receiver, you probably had, you know, let's see, I'm a I'm a stunt in my expectations because it was eighth grade. Probably yeah. a forty. New <laughs> big fat goose egg. Oh, a zero. Yeah. The Ooh, only time God. I the only time we had I had ever scored was because our running back when he, when we were going for the one point conversion because we weren't kicking field goals, we were doing one and two point conversions, I believe. And we had done it, and I was in the end zone because we were blocking, and I was blocking for the running back, and I look back and I see him. He pretty much extended forward. I, I'm, I think he got in looking back at it, but the ball kind of bounced into my lap and I just fell on it. So I was like, oh, I scored the, I scored the conversion. Oh, yeah. But, scored two points, bud. But, yeah, no. That, Good. It, it was tough for that. I would always get open. I'd look back. I'm like, I just did a double move. My my guy's in Timbuk, too. I don't know where he's at. He's lost. He, he's in circles. He's in shambles. And I look, and my quarterback, he's either getting sacked or running away. I'm like, okay, cool. Glad I just ran 40 yards for nothing. For no, for no reason <laughs> for, at all. Uh, it's a it's a tough job for a receiver just running for no reason. And then for practice, we didn't have too, too many people. And I think a few people were out that day. So what they did was, since like I had said before, I'm like, I was like 4'7", 80, 90 pounds at the time. They put me at edge rusher just to practice. <laughs> Just for practice, I, I didn't understand why. I'm like, I've never pass rushed before. Coach, have you seen me? And and what they did was they had two – they had the left tackle and the left guard double team me. And and they're both twice my size. So I'm like, why? <laughs> what's the what's the point in this? It, it was so weird. And then for baseball, like like you were, uh, I sucked at batting. I think, I think I'm a little better now. I think – my mind is caught up to the speed of the baseball, but I would have to rely on them walking me. I was probably, if not the fastest, like the second or third fastest at worst on the team. Oh, I was by far one of the slowest. So it's like if I got on base, if my team didn't just like have two, three outs in a row or just in the inning, I had a good shot of getting speed. there because stealing bases, whenever they told me to go, I, I was getting it almost every time. Speed has never been my strong suit. I've ever no, I've noticed it's never been my strong suit, uh, but that's okay. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I got I got really good at talking about sports rather than playing them. So <laughs> here here we are. Um, looking at the Monday night game last night, James Cooper Rush might be that guy. He might be. He might be that guy. Now, his stat line doesn't jump off the page at you. I mean, 21-31, 215 yards and a touchdown. But the fact that that touchdown came in the fourth quarter on a drive to give Dallas the lead. one of their first leads of the game. That's the money quarter, I like to call it. Um, C.D. Lamb, thanks a lot. <laughs> with the with the one yard touchdown catch from from Cooper Rush. Yeah, you lost by like what one point? Literally one. Literally one point. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about our fantasy weeks later in the show. Um, but man, that touchdown run by Saquon Barkley in the third quarter that was really good. Was impressive. Like now you see why I wanted Saquon in all my leagues if I could get him. Sa- Saquon's healthy and doing really well. Um, so if you ended up with Saquon in fantasy, good for you. I was too hesitant to pick him at any point in any of my leagues. I told didn't I tell you before the year? Mm-hmm. I'd- fantasy expert. Mm-hmm. Keep quote, it up. quote unquote. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. Uh, for for sure. Um, you're three and zero in one league and zero and three in the other. But you hang. also asked me to help you with like pretty much all of your drafts. Any any draft that you weren't a part of, yeah, yeah. I, I asked for your advice. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, so we got a lot to get to. We're gonna have a conversation about LSU before they host Auburn or before they travel to Auburn. Uh, we have audio from Brian Kelly from yesterday. We've also got audio from Michael Desermo from the Cajuns. We have Pelicans audio. We're going to start some NBA conversation. And then, of course, you know we'll hear from the Saints, who are already in London in preparation for their 8.30 a.m. kickoff against Minnesota on Sunday. But before we get to that... The first weekend in October means that there could only be, it could only mean one thing. It is the Roberts Cove German Fest. Come celebrate German style and heritage this Saturday and Sunday for traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, plenty of cultural activities, a rice threshing demonstration, antique tractors, and you can even take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. The kid-friendly event takes place this weekend at St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove, just off of Rain Exit 87 on I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. Take a time out. When we return, James and I will bring you some audio from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and we'll do that next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using promo code KLWB. You're able to combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, and you get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for your no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana, permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Louisiana Raging Cajuns facing a losing streak for the first time since 2018. The Cajuns have not lost back-to-back games since 2018, and this is the first time that they have lost a game in the Sun Belt West since 
2017. Now, Michael Desremo met with the media yesterday to discuss the loss to ULM and look ahead to homecoming this Saturday against South Alabama. Here is his opening statement. Certainly, you know, there are a lot of things on the tape that you need to build off of that are good. Um, Need more of the good um, than the bad. And, you know, in the end, you can't do things to beat yourself. You know, we've said this here for a long time, but the number one way to win games is to not beat yourself. And, you know, Saturday night we, we did some things that beat us, that beat ourselves. And, uh, you know, in this league and where we're at, I don't think that anyone can go out there and, and have some of the meltdowns that you have and, have it, and expect to go out there and win the game. Uh, you know, so for us, it's a learning experience. This team, we've got to learn how to win together. Uh, we got to learn how to finish games and we've got to learn how, you know, when you've got some momentum to capture it, you know, and it's some of the things that we've said before, but it's it's the truth. And it's one of those things that for us as a team, it, it's we've got progress to make. We have a lot of progress. We're a work in progress, but we need to make it and we need to start correcting some of those things. Uh, you know, was excited about the fast start and the things that we wanted to do and come out and kind of set the tone early. Uh, and then, you know, you get in the second half and, and we just had a lot of just miscues that cost us along the way. Michael Desremo also spent some time talking about his run game. He was asked, is the run game where you want it to be? No, definitely not. Um, you know, we, uh, I think the running game, it, it goes hand in hand and everybody, you know, it's it's not just the offensive line, right? The way that we play, we have tight ends involved in it all the time. So tight ends are involved in the mix. Uh, certainly it's O-line. And then, you know, running backs, they've got to they've gotta have eyes in the right spot and press and hit runs the way you want them to. Uh, but I think one of the hardest things in sports is to get five people to work together and, and sync and play the way that you need them to play. You know, football is not a stagnant game. Um, you know, you, you can write up all you want on the board on X's and O's and draw them right where you want them. And, yeah, I mean, you can make plays look really good, but it's it's a it, the game's not stagnant. It moves. And uh, especially in this league, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of coordinators that are very aggressive. They move the front. They plug linebackers. They do all these things. And you've got to have five guys where – you know, you can line up and you can set a call and you can call a combination how you're going to get there. Then all of a sudden on the snap, boom, it happens and the front moves and the backer moves. And then all of a sudden this combination turns into that one. So we've got to get those guys. We've got to continue to work it. You know, looking at at the offense, the Cajuns are averaging 3.4 yards a carry, which you might sit there and say, well, Matt, you know, 3.4 yards a carry gets you a first down every third play. Yeah, you're right. However, if you extrapolate those numbers compared to last year, the Cajuns are looking at a 1,500-yard decrease in rushing yards. And then you also compare it to the rest of the Sun Belt, they're 11th yeah, three, out of 14. 3.4 rushing yards sounds good until you realize that it's fourth to the last in the conference. Um, so, you know, the, the running game, just ha- it has to be better. And it's going to have to be better for the Cajuns to find success here here in 2022. Michael Desermo also talked about their opponent for this weekend and homecoming. It's You can feel sorry for yourself or you can move forward. And, and we better move forward because we've got a really good opponent coming in this weekend. Uh, a team that's 3-1 and one should be 4-0, and oh, you know, realistically. Really good defensive football team. Great play up front at linebacker. Um, good, really good secondary, uh, and then offensively, you know they've been putting up points in big numbers. They they established the run. 
They've got a really good offensive line led by a center who I think is a really good player uh, at running back. You know, they've got they've got a good back, great balance, body control, speed guy behind him. They roll four deep at tight end um, at receiver. It's probably the best receiving core that we've played so far. So, um, you know, and then they've got a quarterback that goes out there and, and runs the offense the way it's supposed to be run, puts the ball where it's supposed to pl- be put. So, you know, for us, we uh, we certainly got to – We've got to improve. We've got to play better. Uh, it's always fun to play for homecoming because you get to represent the people who've done it before you, uh, get to kind of show your appreciation for them and the way that they've done it to, to put us in this position that we're in today. And, you know, our kids, they're excited about the challenge. You know, uh, we've got great leadership. I've said that from the beginning. And our team, you know, we're going to bounce back. We're going to keep working. And we're going to keep trying to work to fix the things we got to fix and move forward. So, James, looking at the, the numbers for this Cajun-South Alabama matchup. So, the line opened at South Alabama minus 6.5, minus 7, somewhere in that range. So, Cajuns, a touchdown dog at home. It's here, increased to 9. Here we are 48 hours later, it jumped up to 9. There's still 96 hours to go until kickoff. I wouldn't be surprised to see it jump to ten and a half, maybe eleven. Oh man, oh man. So you look at it. South Alabama's scoring thirty nine points per game, while only allowing nineteen. Yeah, and then you look at the Cajuns; they're not even getting to a full four touchdowns a game, and they're giving up. 21. About 21. Uh, total yards, I mean... That's also, it's also very skewed looking at the first two games, especially with that second game and that huge 49-point second half. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you look at South Alabama's open to the season. They beat Nichols 48-7. to You go up to Central Michigan, play in a tough environment against... I mean, Central Michigan, you can say what you want. They're a pretty good football team. Go beat them by two scores. And then you only lose by one to UCLA. Should have won the game. At UCLA. Should have won the game. They they went to the Rose Bowl and should have won. They gave You asked South Alabama, they gave that game away. They should have won that game. And then you come back and put a drubbing on Louisiana Tech. Thank God. Oh, man. I could see this as a two-touchdown win by South out early on. The lowest amount of points they've scored this year is 31. Their offense puts up numbers in bunches. This is going to be the toughest test for the Cajuns' defense thus far. 100% going to be the toughest test for the Cajuns thus far. So, interested to see... You know where where that's gonna go, but yeah, James, you you look at that South Alabama UCLA game at the five fifty four mark of the second quarter. South was up seventeen to six. They had an eleven point lead on UCLA. Granted, UCLA came out and jumped up to a twenty three seventeen lead, but then South answered with fourteen points in forty seven seconds, forty six seconds. The only thing that killed them was the fact that they didn't score in the fourth. Yeah, you didn't score any points in the fourth quarter. 
That's that's honestly the only thing that held you back in that game. Yep. No, absolutely. Because you could have had an ease. You could have had an amazing upset over the Bruins, but yeah, you're you're three and one, and you should really be four and zero. Oh. I mean, the headline is UCLA escapes upset bid. I mean, they got out of there. They didn't win. They got out. Um, so interested to see how how that goes down. You know. This Saturday at Cajun Field for homecoming. Um, you know, I, I said it at the beginning of the year. I thought the Cajuns would be a good team, but I didn't think they were going to breeze through the West like they have. And they're already 0 1 in the West. And now you got now you got South Alabama coming in, who, I mean, they're, they're a nine point favorite. And that's going to rise. I'm not saying definitively the Cajuns are going to lose this game. But it's not looking very promising. I mean, their running back already has 400 yards on the year. So, once again, going to be a great matchup at Cajun Field. Four o'clock kickoff for homecoming. Going to be a great environment. Uh, definitely looking forward to, to seeing how, how that game plays out. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Welcome in the FedEx, man. What's up? Oh, not much, man. Look, I saw that South Alabama UCLA game. Let me tell you how that went down. Uh, South uh, South Al had the ball, but at one point it was uh, by, uh, by two points. They had the ball, and they were driving down at the end, uh, the end of the game to score the winning touchdown to run off the clock. And uh, they had about a 41 yard field goal, and they tried a fake field goal. They would have made that field goal, they would have gone up by uh, a uh, If they would have made that field goal, they would have gone up by seven. That's what it was, or four, something like that. But when they, uh, they didn't get that field goal or whatever, they didn't get that first down, all you see later in Mississippi was go down and get a field goal, which they did at the end of the game. Yeah. A fake field goal. That's why they lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, again, like, like, like I said earlier, you ask South Alabama, they're going to say they gave that game away. Yeah. And, fellas, I'm here to tell you the two best teams in the Sun Belt and I think it's going to be in the championship game. It's going to be South Island, James Madison. Uh, James Madison put a whooping on the App State this weekend. The score might not indicate it, but they were down 23 at halftime. In the second half, they came out and whooped some butt. Uh, James Madison's for real. Uh, don't know about to speak on them. James, James Madison is for real, but they can't play in the conference championship game. Yeah, they're, they're not eligible for a conference championship. They can't play in the conference championship game. Uh, they could run the table, go twelve and zero. They can't play in the conference championship game. Uh, but no, they one hundred percent. The Dukes are for real. And I said when they came into this conference that they were going to give people some fits. And I mean, like you said, it was twenty eight to six, twenty eight to three. App was up. Yeah, it was twenty eight to three. App scored all twenty eight in the second quarter. Yeah, and then James Madison just came back and whooped them. Came back and beat them in the second half. Plain and simple. It was, it was quite, quite impressive. Take a time out right here. When we return, JT Crabtree, the voice of the South Alabama Jags, will join us for a preview of the Jags right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up as a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Tuxedo Tuesday, presented by Suit Up here on Crunch Time. Guys, Suit Up is your one stop shop, especially with homecoming around the corner. I mean, fashion tuxedos, suits for every occasion, great deals for a wedding party. So if you're getting married, you know, you can go get your, your wedding suits there. Professional service, they're going to measure you every time you walk in the door to make sure it's a perfect fit. Three locations in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey across from Chuck E. Cheese. New Iberia on Admiral Doyle and now in Lake Charles across from the Preon Lake Mall. So go to Suit Up, get yourself you know, a fancy tuxedo suit, whatever you need, Mardi Gras balls, homecomings, proms, weddings, whatever. Go to Suit Up and when you do, tell them that Crunch Time sent you. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 38 after the hour. We are joined by the voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, Mr. JT Crabtree. JT, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? You bet, boys. Glad to be here. And uh, am I correct in saying congratulations on recent uh, nuptials for you, man? Yes, you are. You are very correct, and I appreciate it. Congrats, buddy. I appreciate it. So let's look at the Jags. You know, 3-1 and one on the year. Really, we were just talking about in the last segment. They should be four and zero. Give me your thoughts through four games. Yeah, you're right. Uh, should be four and zero. Feeling good. Um, the one point loss at UCLA that uh, probably shouldn't have happened, but it is what it is. You're sitting at three and one, feeling good. You've wrapped up your your non conference play. You've got some momentum now heading into a a big game coming up this weekend. Um, feeling good right now for the most part pretty healthy too so firing all cylinders everything seems to be uh really trending in the right direction for us so looking at it tier two Kane Womack you bring in a guy like Carter Bradley you know what's been different about this program this year compared to recent years a lot of it has to do with depth at multiple positions now but uh on the on the defensive side of the ball, what really everyone's been talking about is just everyone knows their role now. You know, switching the four-two-five and the the swarm defense mentality and whatnot. Everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing now. You look at a guy like Yam Banks this past weekend, who was originally a safety, and then we moved him to the husky role, which is a, a hybrid between a nickelback but also a third linebacker. So he's got to do a lot. He'd never played in that role before in high school. He was a cornerback. And last year, he was good, but not great. And then you look at what he did last time out against Louisiana Tech, where he had two interceptions, one of them was for a touchdown, and also had a fumble recovery, too. That's really all because how comfortable he is in his role. And you can say that about a lot of different guys. You know, a guy like Ed Smith the fourth on the defensive line, who was a nobody last year, but has really thrived now transforming himself into a really dependable guy on the defensive line just because he knows where he's supposed to be. And really that's where it's been where we've seen the most success is guys know what they're supposed to do now in year two of the system. 
And, you know, to piggyback off that, talking about Kane Womack, he was at South, went to Indiana, came back to South. You know, he's South Alabama through and through, and he's really done a great job of changing the culture and changing the perspective in Mobile. No, 100%. And, you know, he's talked so much about how South Alabama is really his dream job. You know, he, he would have literal visions, you know, staying up at night thinking of, you know, what would I do with that program? If it ever came open and I got an opportunity to lead that team, what would I do? Uh, he, he's talked about when he was he had taken the job at Indiana, he's in the process of moving, he knew that the, the, work, the plans were in the works for us to build our on-campus football stadium where it is now. But at the time when he was here the first go-around, that was the intramural fields. And he said, you know, one day I just took the kids out to the fields and we just walked around, the kids played, and I just sat there and visioned of what football would be like right here where I'm standing some point down the line. And he always talked about, I want to come back here and lead the program in this place at some point. Um, and so that's really cool to see. You know, for me personally, you know, being the radio guy, but also I'm a Mobile native and I'm a South grad. And so obviously I take a lot of pride in calling the game for my school. But also it's really cool to see our head coach feels the same way I do about this place. It's special how he wants to be here. This is my dream job. And for him, this is his dream job. So it's really cool to see that reflected from a coaching standpoint that this is where he wants to be. It's where he's dreamed he wants to be. And to see us now having some success with the vision that he's putting together is something really special. Let's talk about Carter Bradley now, your quarterback, you know, transferring in from Toledo. 67% completion percentage, hair over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns and only three interceptions. I mean, for lack of better words, JT, Carter's been exceptional. Carter might be the best quarterback we've ever had, period, and he's only played four games with us. And it's that's even taking into consideration last year we had Jake Bentley, who was previously the starting quarterback at South Carolina and Utah. Carter's the real deal. And I don't know what Toledo was thinking, putting him on the bench last year and giving him a reason to leave. Because this is an NFL arm talent that we've got over here in Mobile. Carter Bradley is tremendous. Now, the, the athleticism, maybe not there so much. You know, He'll tuck it down and run if he absolutely has to. But this kid is unbelievable. The throws he makes, I go back to uh, the, what our second fall scrimmage where he's, he's rolling to his right, he's got pressure from behind, he drops down sidearm, throws a pass on the run, the opposite sideline hits a man in stride from 53 yards away. And all of us kind of stopped and went, whoa, we've never seen that here before. And we really haven't. You know, Carter's a unique talent. Uh, if he continue, and by the way, he has another year of eligibility left. I know a lot of places he's listed as a senior, or a grad transfer. He's got two years, so it's really exciting to see how quickly he has absorbed Major Applewhite's offense, how quickly he's fit into the culture down here, and how quickly he's he's having success too. You know, I don't think we are where we are without the play of Carter Bradley so far. And then going ahead and looking at other skill players, you have a really good running back in LaDamian Webb who's got 5.7 yards per carry. Yeah, that guy, you know, they, they use the, the term human bowling ball. This dude is a human wrecking ball. He bounces off of guys left and right. And it's you see him play, and you, you see the way he played against UCLA where 
he barrels through a guy, spins off another, and breaks free for a 37-yard run in the first quarter. And it's almost one of those moments where it's like, how did we get this guy? This guy needs to be playing in the SEC, in the Big 12, the ACC. He Obviously, he has played in the ACC before being a Florida State transfer, but we're very fortunate to have a guy like Damian. And we didn't really know. We knew, obviously, he was good, but we didn't know how good he was until we started playing against Nichols. He was hurt all of the spring. He was hurt the majority of camp. He really wasn't 100% until the week, or really, he's not even 100% yet, but he was more of 90% week one. We rolled him out there. He played in the, the practice in the non-contact jersey for so long. And then when we turned on the lights and saw what we really had with this guy, it's something really special. How I mentioned with Carter Bradley that he might be our best quarterback ever, LaDamian legitimately might have an opportunity to be our best running back that we've ever had here. He is tremendous, and I, I think – if he continues to develop the way he quickly is, I think we'll see him playing on Sundays. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joining us here on Crunch Time. Looking out wide, Jalen Wayne. You know, you and I have joked about this before. Uh, I feel like you've had a Jalen at wideout for a thousand years. Um, and, and Colin Lacey as well, having a great start to the year. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Wayne, it's, it's great to see the success he's having because he's been here since, tw- since 2017. He's the old man on the roster. He actually, it, his story is phenomenal. He's a local guy from across the bay in Spanish Fort. He came in as really an athlete. We didn't really know where to put him, so he started out as a tight end. Then we moved him to running back because of some injuries, and he played maybe two games there. And then we became really thin on the defensive side at safety, and Kane Womack actually approached him and said, Jalen, how would you feel about moving over to safety? He practiced there for a week and said, Coach, I need the ball more. I can't do this on defense. So they switched him back, and they made a permit move over to the offensive side at wide receiver. And he's played behind Kawan Baker, who's now a member of the New Orleans Saints. Then he played behind Jalen Tolbert, who's with the Cowboys. It's finally his time to shine. And he's really making the most of his opportunity right now. He looks like the guy who we wanted to be a wide receiver one and a true wide receiver two last year, but he gets overshadowed so much by the previous guys. He's not being overshadowed anymore. He's fully filling that role of your number one wide receiver. And you mentioned Colin Lacey in there as well. What a tremendous effort he has given us so far this season. He's a third-year guy, uh, another local kid, too, from right here in Mobile, who in his previous two seasons had not scored a touchdown in his career. And then he scores his first career touchdown on the road at UCLA has a punt return for a touchdown this past weekend, in addition to another receiving touchdown, too. I mean, this was a guy who was a a high school running back, rushed for over 1,800 yards and over 20 touchdowns his senior year, moved him to a slot guy, and he's finally starting to take off. And I think he's another example, too, of a guy who's finally comfortable in his role in the offense. You know, talk about this defense, which has really, you know, been phenomenal, especially – guys in the secondary, Jalen Jordan and Jada Voyason. Yeah, the, the defense as a whole is, is phenomenal. And I talked to depth earlier about just how deep we are at so many positions. You look at linebacker, and we didn't play without our – we played without our starting linebacker, Quentin Wolf on this past weekend, and you didn't really feel that loss. You know, D.K. Bonham's another guy, an Indiana transfer. He missed this past weekend. 
you didn't really feel his loss because we have so much depth. The biggest loss we've had is Keith Gallman at safety, and he's really the heart and soul of that defense. Another mobile kid. He's been here a long time. He got hurt in one of the fall scrimmages, so he hasn't been out there. And then you have a guy like Jaden Voison who steps in. And, again, you don't even really feel the loss of Keith Gallman, as crazy as that is to say. This is a guy who was uh, first team from uh, pro football focus a couple years ago for his, his coverage ability. He's tremendous at the safety spot, and you don't even miss him because you have guys like Jalen Jordan. Jaden Voison has stepped up. Marvin Martin, a, a K-State transfer, is playing really well behind him. I mean, who knows? We may have never even seen the emergence of Jaden Voison and how good he's been this year if Keith Gallman doesn't get hurt. As crazy as that sounds. Now, we're starting to get a little thin at, at cornerback with Darrell Luter. He's still there, but Jamar Richardson hurt his arm at UCLA, missed this past weekend. And then we had some other guys starting to get hurt. Marquise Robinson, who's been banged up, he got hurt this past weekend too, should be back. But then behind him, it's a true freshman and another true freshman, and that's it at cornerback. So that's where we're starting to get a little thin. But everywhere else, you feel really, really solid about the different guys you can rotate at different spots. Wrapping up with JT Crabtree, you know, South Al currently second in the West. They're nine-point favorites against the Cajuns this Saturday. Give me your final thoughts on this game. I'm going to steal a quote here from Will Anderson earlier today. The audacity of the Cajuns to schedule us for homecoming, right? This is always a fun matchup, regardless if it's homecoming or not. This is going to be a phenomenal game. And I know the point spread is what it is, and the Jags being favored and whatnot. But think of the game last year where it was back and forth. The Jags had so many opportunities, shut out the Cajuns in the second half, and it looked like we were finally going to get over that mountain and take down the Cajuns, and it came up just a bit short. We owe the Cajuns a lot of payback from last year and the year before and the year before and the three years before that. We haven't beaten the Cajuns since 2015, and that's just mind-blowing because you think of this rivalry in in football, basketball, baseball, look at it on the softball diamond, too. These are always gritty, gritty games, and to think that this rivalry has been so one-sided for so long, we definitely owe the Cajuns some payback. So this is a game that has been circled on the calendar for a long, long time. We've never won at Cajun Field before in our program's history. I think the Jags are going to do every single thing they can, and then some, to get win number one at Cajun Field this weekend. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joining us. JT, appreciate you as always, and uh, I'll see you Saturday, my friend. You bet, man. Thanks for having me on. Take a time out. Wrap up hour number one after this, right here on The Game. Got a couple minutes left here on Crunch Time in the first hour. And let's take a look, Matt, real quickly at our fantasy teams. I know you're 3-0 in one league, but then in the other, in our Crunch Time league, you are 0-3. Yeah, I suck. It's night and day for you. I suck. Um, 3-0, if it wasn't for Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I just wouldn't be. Um, 0-3... I always find a, a way to blow it in, in the last, you know, possible matchup. You know, ten o'clock on a Monday night. Um, but then you know, I, I write for Canal Street Chronicles. I'm two and one in that league, so you know, 
And then I've got some buddies from Georgia that I'm in a league, and I'm one and two there. So uh, got two leagues going well, two leagues, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. I, in my dynasty league, uh, Zeke actually came up big for me. I needed, I think, like 11.5 points from him, and he got me 14, so I won by three. So Zeke actually did something good for me for once in my life. Uh, I'm shocked. Won't expect it again, though. <laughs> I the, certainly wouldn't. In the crunch time league, uh, the bench for me, oh, my God, I think I gave up about 100. I think I had a, about 100 points on my bench. and You love that. Yeah, and Tad was able to beat me, so now I'm 1-2 and two in that one. With the RP3 and company, I honestly thought I was going to lose. I... I I, I thought they were going to give Tony Pollard the ball more often. I thought he was going to at least catch a couple of passes, but they only threw it to him once. He had a really good game, 13 carries, over 100 yards. But thankfully, Saquon scored a touchdown, and I was able to narrowly beat Darren. Sorry, Darren. And then with uh, our regular league between with you and I, uh, I was able to beat our buddy Pierce on Sunday. All of our players were done. I think by the middle of the afternoon. Right. Yeah, you love those, huh? Yeah, it's like you don't the, have to worry. You those, don't have to worry about stress. Right. Those are th- those matchups are always fun when you don't have any guys playing on Monday and you know Sunday night who wins and loses. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk LSU Tigers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Houston Astros. We'll also take your calls on the hotline 337-706-0111. You're listening to Crunch Time right here on the game. Tuxedo Tuesday presented by Suit Up, 2037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two of Tuxedo Tuesday presented by Suit Up. It's Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 502 on your Tuesday. You know, and this, this is not sports related, but I, I saw it during the break, and I just I gotta I gotta make a comment about it. So Hurricane Ian, which is a monster, by the way, potentially going to make landfall as a Category Four hurricane. Um, so, and and it's going to make landfall very close to the Tampa Bay area, the Tampa Bay Fort Myers, you know, region, Orlando being an hour inland of Tampa, it is, you know, kind of in the path. No, well, not kind of. They are in the path. And people, James, people are flabbergasted that Disney World is closing for the storm. They're upset about it? They're not upset. They're just, like, shocked. Why? Thank you. (laughs) Why would you be shocked You're about that? You're in the that? direct path of a Category 4 hurricane. Why would you be open? Who's going to be there? <laughs> no one should be there. Like, who? no one will be there. I've got a friend that lives in Gainesville. 
and is worried about this. I mean, it's just... Oh, that's so crazy. Anyways, prayers out to Florida. Um, you know, y'all, y'all don't experience this as much as, you know, say Louisiana or, or Mississippi, but, uh, you know, good luck to y'all. Praying for y'all. Don't eat all your snacks too early. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Jacob. What up, Matt Miguez? How are you, sir? It's I'm doing great. You know why? Why is that? Because it's Matt Miguez Hate Week. Ooh. Mash, play the little air horn. Um, we both suck at fantasy football, apparently. We're yeah. both 0-3. Yeah, neither one of and us are very one, good. And one of us will exit this week with a win. Tank Bowl, baby. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, what, what, ha- what happened with our teams, bro? Why, why are we not doing well? Well, I, I can tell you the reason that I lost last night is because of CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, you know, that was a debate I was having with one of my friends. Is he really a wide receiver one? Is CeeDee Lamb a wide receiver one? I don't think so. Because it looks like they're really missing Gallup. Yeah, it, it certainly appears that way. But I do, I do like on the flip side the storyline that Cooper Rush is the next Tom Brady because he's he's two and zero. What was that he's, weird stat about his fourth quarter drives? First uh, person since the merger. Yeah, he he's the first person since the merger to have his first three starts have a fourth quarter game winning drive. Next TB. Yeah, he's he's three and zero in all three games. He led a game winning drive in the fourth quarter. That's wild. What hey, what what a, what a like, guy? Let's say, let's say Dak comes back, right? Let's say Cooper Rush wins all of his games. Dak comes back and loses his first start, returning from injury. Cooper Rush start asking questions. Put him in. Cr ten baby. Put him in baby. <laughs> Dak Prescott's no going on the open market. You know. Uh, Yesterday, y'all were, y'all, it was, it was rant, what was it, Vent Monday? Vent Session Monday, yeah. Yeah. Well, with all the negative news about the Saints and the Cajuns, I was talking to Mesh yesterday. There is one positive, at least for me. I swear, if you, I swear if you talk about Kansas being 4 0. We're 4 0. Rank us, <laughs> coward. <laughs> Rank us, coward. Rock, uh, rock yeah. chalk, baby. Ratchet, you know, worst team in football, not anymore. They're averaging 45 points a game. Love to see it. Also, averaging 45 points a game while rushing for 200 yards a game. Love to see that. Yeah, those, those are some impressive numbers. I, I won't lie. Did you see the Spanish broadcast of our touchdown, our 70-yard touchdown? Yes, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, he sent it to me. <laughs> it was absolutely Love incredible. So if we if – we Happened to beat Iowa State this weekend. No doubt the Jayhawks will be in the top 25. Um, love to see it. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Maybe I'll call tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll write a poem or something for Matt Vegas <laughs> Hate Week. As, as you should. As you should. All right. Take it easy, fellas. Appreciate you, man. So, yeah, you know what? Let, let, Jacob struck up a Kansas conversation. Let's talk about Kansas. 
I was about to, I was about to talk about his fancy team, but yeah, let's talk about Kansas. They play Iowa State on Saturday. Yeah, they're a three point dog to Iowa State. So a winnable game. No, 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 no doubt about it. It's a winnable game. It's a home game for Kansas as well, uh, which which always helps. So say they win that game, they're five and zero. Well, let, let's talk about something else first. You know what? You know what's crazy to think about, James? As it stands today on Tuesday, September the twenty seventh. Kansas leads the Big 12. They are first place in the Big 12. That is nuts. That's crazy to think about. That is nuts. <laughs> They're the only... I, I take that back. They're not the only undefeated team in the conference. And we're talking about football. Oh, yeah. We're not basketball. We're talking about football, right. not basketball. Right. We're in so, an alternate universe right now. They're playing Iowa State. They have a home game next Saturday against TCU. And then they go through a three-week gauntlet. You ready for this? At Oklahoma, at Baylor, home against Arkansas, uh, home against Oklahoma State. That is a three-week. Well, actually, it's going to be a four-week because their bye week is in between Baylor, Oklahoma State. But that four-week stretch is going to be a gauntlet for the Jayhawks. But here's the thing. With how bad Kansas has been for years. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, Nichols went up there and beat them. Like, they have been, they have been bad. James, would 8-4 and four be a bad thing if you're Kansas? A year, a first-year head coach? You start off 4-0, and oh, you finish 8-4? and four? I think it would kind of depend on how how do you finish the last three or four games because if you're going to go four and four to end the season after going four and zero, not the best look. But if you do go like two and zero or two and one or three and one, think think it'd be good. So you got eight games left, and four of them are against top twenty five teams. So say you drop the the four games to top twenty five teams. And then you win the four games against unranked teams. You're eight and four. And I don't think that would be a bad stretch. And I've been I've been corrected by the uh, by by the Kansas guru that uh, Lance Leopold is in his second year. Swore that he was only hired this offseason. but uh, yeah, so that's a, it's a second year, and uh, he replaced the lovely, lovely Les Miles, in uh in Baton Rouge. So, let's update the poll question of the day on Facebook and Twitter. What was your favorite sport to play as a kid? So far, 60% of you say baseball, 10% say basketball, 25% say football. And then looking at some of the comments, Darren Francis said basketball, Ralph Bergeron said organized baseball. It was the only option in Jeanette, Louisiana. But on weekends, we'd get together and have epic Sandlot football games. Full tackle with lots of blood. Great times. I'm not happy with the town of Jeanette, Louisiana right now. Uh, for, for a reason that I'm not going to get into. But just going to throw that out there. Uh, the, the, the town of Jeanette, Louisiana is, is not on my good side. 
And then John Paul says, played Little League Baseball. It was fun, but I was too short and fat. Perfect to be a defensive lineman in high school. High school football was a blast, even though we went 3-37 and my years playing. Yikes. 3-37? and I mean, hey, you won three. <laughs> Got to find the positive there. You, you could have gone 0-40. So... There, there is, there is that. Once again, the Houston Astros taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight at Minute Maid Park. First pitch is at seven ten. Pre-game six forty, and you can hear it right here on the game. Zach Davies going for the Diamondbacks two and four with a four point oh three ERA. Luis Garcia will go for the Astros after Lance McCullers Jr. was scratched from this start. He's thirteen and eight with a three point nine zero ERA. The Pelicans hosted Media Day yesterday, and it was also their first. Today was their first day of training camp. Zion Williamson took the podium, looking thinner than ever. Uh, look, the the guy just looks like a six eight bowling ball um, uh, of muscle and strength, and he talked about you know what he learned about his body during his gear or so away from the game? Man, uh, it's one of those feelings where you're, I'm in the gym and something happens, and I'm like, oh, man, I can really do that. Oh, that's different. Uh, but now I learned a lot from nutrition standpoint, from working out standpoint, how long I need to be in the gym, and the most efficient way to work out. He also spent some time talking about the Pelicans as an overall organization. That's something that, like, that's like a bonus because at the end of the day, they could just say, nah, this is your job, just come to work, and it is what it is. But uh, the Pelicans make it a family environment. They make, they make it to where when you come to work, it doesn't even feel like work. You're just having fun and doing what we love to do. Also, C.J. McCollum took the stage as the president of the NBA Players Association. And he spent some time talking about signing his two-year, $64 million contract extension with the Pelicans. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I think I answered a lot of these questions. And when I first got here, I didn't get here by mistake. I didn't get here by accident. Uh, it was a situation in which we talked about the president, what the future could look like, and uh, what I had to offer and what they had to offer. And everything kind of aligned um, the right way. Uh, my wife signed off. She said that she was excited about it. She was happy about it, not just the trade and then what could come after the trade, obviously, knowing that we could be here longer than two years. And uh, once we all were on the same page with that, the trade happened and the rest is kind of, as I said before, but I think it's just more about a mutual comfort, mutual admiration, um, understanding what we can accomplish together, but also understanding that um, there's a lot I have to offer to this team, this organization, the city. There's a lot that they've offered and afforded to me, and I'm thankful for it. And I think the piece is here. And I, uh, respectfully, I love this place, but um, without the likes of some of the guys that are on this team, um, there wouldn't be as much interest because you, you wouldn't be able to compete at, that, at the same level. And I think you know, having B.I., having Z, uh, having J.V., you know, Herb, keep going on, Trey, Tay, like we have a really good team, young guys. We draft Dyson. Uh, we pick up some guys. We have, you know, we have a guy who wins, you know, MVP of the Euro Basket. I think we have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, uh, a lot of draft picks. Thanks to some guys that are no longer here, 
So I felt like it was just a good combination of a lot of things. Um, it made sense. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited about the present and the future. And then you shift to head coach Willie Green. And, you know, it's interesting. The Pelicans, CJ just talked about it, a lot of young pieces. You bring in CJ. You have a guy like Jonas Valanciunas. You've got a lot of pieces that are coming together. And now, you know, the Pelicans, they're in a little bit of uncharted territory. They have an expectation. But the biggest thing that, that you've seen out of the Pelicans from the offseason is that the, the, the chemistry is building, and that's from players getting together during the offseason. It's huge. Um, you know, I'm thankful for Brandon and CJ for kind of orchestrating uh, a, a team workout, and it, it speaks to their leadership. And it speaks to all of our guys that uh, participated. Um, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be in the gym, connecting with each other. And you guys know when you have that type of um, momentum and you're, you're building and you, you're striving for something that's great, um, it helps. All of those things help. And, um, you know, I think a lot of teams are doing that now. You know, they're getting together in the summer and sort of hold, holding some player-only workouts and, get a chance to see where guys like the, like the ball. But more importantly than that is, is their camaraderie off the floor. And that's what you need no matter what you go through, ups and downs throughout the course of the season. You want to have a group that understands each other and are pretty connected, and, and we're blessed that our, our guys are doing that. It's time to face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have VIP tickets for the legendary Haunted House attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably sitting there going, well, you know, Matt, I don't know that I'm really a, a VIP type of person. Well, you know, I got a solution for you. Just text the word GATE to 337-283-8100 and you, you'll be entered to win a pair of general admission passes to the 13th gate, also courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Take a time out. When we return, we'll talk LSU and we'll get you set for To the Moon at 530 right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, it is your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, more. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid, and you need a sports book that offers everything from live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today 1 800 79 BetUS. That's 1 800 79 BetUS, and they will walk you through setting up an account. 
Nobody in the, nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. If you join now and mention KLWB, you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 23 after the hour. James, you know, we're talking about the LSU Tigers, you know, 3-1. and one. You're, you're going on the road to play a I mean I'm I'm just going to be honest uh, they're going to play a bad Auburn team they're they're going to play an Auburn team that is a straw or two away from firing their coach yeah he's definitely on a short leash and I feel like bad could almost be a compliment for them and you I, know because you definitely wouldn't consider this roster good you look at it and go, well, guys, you know, Auburn's 3-1. and one. They've beaten Mercer, survived against San Jose State, survived in overtime against Missouri. Missouri, Missouri should have won that and game. And then got handled oh. by Penn State. They're bad. They're it, bad. It, it hasn't looked good. They, they are not good. And then you look at T.J. Finley. His touchdown-interception ratio, you ready for this? Go, go ahead and take a guess as to what it is. I was going to say he has more interceptions than touchdowns. One to four. He, I thought he had more touchdowns than that. Hold on. One. Now i got to look that up. One. I'm looking at it right here. I want to look at it myself. TJ Finley is 33 for 53 for 431 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. Now, he didn't play last week. If I'm not mistaken, if he did, it, it was a last minute thing because he was trending towards not playing. Here's what I want to know, and I'm not super plugged into, you know, Auburn. So yeah, no, he did, he didn't play last week. So over three games, he's got 400 yards passing. So here's and a touchdown. Here's what I'm wondering, and it's because he's injured. And he, he's applying for the medical red shirt because my, my question was going to be where the hell is Zach Calzada? But he's he's got a shoulder injury and he's applying for a medical red shirt. Um, but man, you know you, you look at a guy like Zach Calzada who was at Texas A and M last year. He beat Alabama and then transfers to Auburn and he's not playing. But then you know I, I didn't realize that he was out for the season with an injury. Um, but no, TJ Finley hasn't been very good. Robbie Ashford. I was going to say, looking at Ashford. Hasn't been very good. Well, granted. And, he was and the leading rusher for their we're gonna team, be though. We're going to be nice to Robbie Ashford because he's a, he's a true freshman. He's still getting his feet wet. So we're going to be nice to Robbie Ashford. TJ Finley has been around the block, though. He's got to be better. Got to be better. And Brian Harson. I mean, let's be honest, no coach at Auburn's ever going to get a fair shake. Brian Harson really hasn't gotten a fair shake. He has coached 16 games at Auburn, and they're already talking about hiring him. I mean, that's pretty wild to, to think about. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there as LSU travels to Jordan-Hare Stadium. We, we like to joke that there is uh, some little voodoo magic going on do you know at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Do you know what's interesting about Tank Bigsby so far this year? Oh, Tank's the man. Tank's got almost 300 yards rushing, 
He's averaging pretty much five yards a carry, but over half of that is against Mercer. Over half of his rushing yeah. yards on the season so far has been against Mercer, where he had nine yards a carry. Yep. Like, looking at the other three games, it's been pretty pedestrian. It's been pretty average at best, especially for someone of his caliber. Yep. Uh, he's, he's struggling right now, and I, I think that that's a big credit, or discredit, should I say, to the Auburn offensive line because they're not very good either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that matches up because LSU's defense is on a tear right now. LSU it, looks like it knows what it's doing. And if, and if Auburn's they're offense struggles with that defense, oof, could be a long day on the plains. It was, it was against a New Mexico Lobos team, but still, the fact that you give up only two first downs. Even against Mississippi State. Even, I mean, their I was defense say, was they, ferocious. They they figured it out. They have figured out how to get a pass rush. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Ali uh, Gay, B.J. Ojolari. Harold Perkins. Like, they're getting it together. And Harold Perkins is a freshman. Yeah. A true freshman. He's been on campus since August. I mean, that's... The, the dude's been on... He doesn't even know the whole playbook yet. Brian Kelly admitted it in, pre- in the press conference yesterday. Harold Perkins doesn't even know the entire playbook. And he's doing what he's doing. Let, let's listen in now to Brian Kelly talking about Harold Perkins on the field and in the classroom. Look, here's the thing with, with Harold. He's going to flash because of his skill set. I mean, he is twitchy he is fast he he has all of those tools that are going to allow him to like show that. and then matt's doing a great job of of keeping it in the in the easiest form within the defense we can't give him he's just gotten here so to give him the entire playbook uh is not fair to him so matt's given him pieces of the playbook that allows him to go play fast because that's his best trait but he's learning and He's, I'll tell you what, he's so coachable. That's the great part about it. He comes to the sideline. He wants to know what he needs to do better uh, each and every uh, snap. We're really pleased with his progress, um, but I think what we're more pleased with is what he's doing off the field, in the classroom, and then how coachable he is. You know, looking at Harold Perkins, you know, some people like to count, look at tackles, and they only look at solo tackles. I think that's crap. I mean, if another guy jumps in and helps you bring him down, you just that should still count towards your total. Um, Harold Perkins is the tackle leader for the Tigers. He's 21 so far this year. Granted, 15 of those are assisted, but 21 tackles through four games. He also has a sack and a half. I mean, that is crazy numbers for a guy that doesn't know the whole playbook. They're literally easing him along with the playbook. Can you imagine what Harold Perkins is going to be once he knows the defense? I mean, we're talking possibly one of the best linebackers in the country once he gets it together. This LSU defense is young, talented, and just absolutely dominant. By the way, I want to thank Brian Kelly for for shouting me out there. 
for for my great work with Harold Perkins. I'm just kidding. Um, Brian Kelly did say, though, that he is proud of the team's progress and that they will learn even more with these upcoming SEC matchups. We've been able to to make the progress necessary to um, to have a modest winning streak, and this is modest. Um, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. This month will tell us a lot, right? We've got an SEC slate in front of us uh, over the next four weeks, which will challenge us to a new level, and we'll certainly find out even more about you know our grit and you know what kind of football team this will continue to grow to be. Uh, we know where our our issues are. It's a team that will fight, but we're we're thin in some areas, and so we've got to, um, you know, we've got to make sure we keep our team rested. We, we've got to stay away from injuries, uh, things of that nature. Park International will be a buzz this Saturday for the Latin Music Fest. The family-friendly event puts the spotlight on the beautiful and bold Latin culture in our community. Celebrate the bold taste and sounds of Latin culture. Admission is $10. Kids 12 and under get in free. And Cuban superstar Sima Funk headlines the lineup of Latin artists. That's the Latin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 at Park International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit Festival International. Dot O-R-G. We'll take a time out when we return. We're going to the moon with Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkes and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU joining us for To the Moon. Dez, what's going on, bud? I'm good, bro. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. The Astros over 100 wins. We we, we love to see that. Uh, but, yeah. but you know what we love to see even more is Martin Machete Maldonado with a pink mohawk. Okay, so I haven't seen it yet. I've I've seen it on the Twitter verse, so I've heard about it. Haven't seen it yet. Is it as good as they're saying it is? Oh dude. It it is it it is next level impressive. <laughs> that's uh that's Martin. I mean he's getting geared up for the playoffs. I mean at one point he had the uh he said some different cuts and styles, but uh, that's how you keep the uh, team on their toes over 162. Yeah, Chandler Chandler Rome posted on a, a picture of Martin coming out of the dugout, and it says, uh, "Safe to say, Martin had a successful uh, day off." That guy's always doing something. I mean, the last day off he next to the Bunny concert when the team was uh, out in uh, in L.A. So that guy, he just marches to the beat of his own drum. But as long as he keeps commanding a uh, playoff staff the way he has the regular season staff he can do whatever he wants completely agreed uh i love martin now looking at the team itself they've now gotten to that coveted 100 wins there's eight games left in the season how many do you think they win in these final eight i, I, I see them winning time mark um obviously they're gonna they're gonna trot out different different pitchers and different arms and have guys on short leashes due to the playoffs coming up, but um, the team's just built to win. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the guys that are in the lineup can start anywhere, and, and they're going to have some really good at bats. And um, 
honestly, I think this is a point where no one's really been talking about it. What if this team just stays hot? Uh, over the years, we've seen the, the, the Braves do it. We've seen the Nationals do it. And obviously, we're on the, the wrong side of that. When teams just get hot in October and you just can't beat them. What if, what if that's the Ashes at 17-6, and six, I believe, or something like that, um, in September? So if they just keep this party... Des, you know, Lance McCullers Jr. was projected to get the start tonight. However, uh, he, he was scratched from that start. Luis Garcia stepping in. What's the latest on McCullers? Yeah, I think the B report just said it was an illness. Uh, not looking um, past that. and just, I think a lot of it's maybe uh, managing some innings here and there as well. Uh, but honestly, Lance's last start, he looked, he looked pretty damn dominant. So um, I'm not worried about it as long as the team, you know, says it's and they all set flared up, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, when you have Luis Garcia stepping in, um, that's a that's a luxury to have. You know, looking at the the Astros, the magic number to get home field is two. Uh, you know, what's the mindset with, with securing that, and what the, what benefit is you know playing at Minute Maid Park more times than on the road? Yeah, obviously we've been spoiled uh, over the last you know six seven years, and I, I'll tell you this. The Houston crowd shows up in the party. Um, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to pay dividends, and I, and I think, especially with the wild card series being three and that team turning around wherever they're playing to come to Houston uh, and face a Dustin Verlander uh, at home, the crowd's going to the crowd's going to let them hear it. And so I think as fans, the fan base, they've they've seen what the team's gone through on the road. So at home, they've been so so supportive, and and I think that. That atmosphere for ALDS Game One is just going to be the the biggest party that we'll see until the following day. Now, with the team itself, what's the maintenance plan with the guys through the rest of the regular season? Yeah, I think it's just monitoring innings, uh, getting getting different guys in there, putting people in different positions. Uh, we saw it the other day in Baltimore with Hunter Brown pitching with bases loaded, right? Um, putting them in, putting them in weird spots, putting them in uncomfortable positions, and, and see what they can do. Obviously, there's there's very few spots for the playoff roster, so a lot of guys are going to have to earn it, um, you know, outside the the normal names. But when you have guys that can compete, I, I think there's going to be three or four guys off the playoff roster that would start on any other team, maybe outside the Dodgers um, in the playoffs. So that just speaks volumes of the depth that the Astros have this year. And uh, look, put them put them in weird spots, see see what works, see what doesn't. Uh, I think Ryan Presley's throwing a changeup and for the first time ever over the last three weeks. So that's just something we've had a luxury to do that your closer can just develop a third pitch. So um, keep doing things like that and, and just get ready for the, the next couple of weeks. Chat with Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. Verlander closing in on another Cy Young season. You know, j- just talk about the luxury that JV's been. Be talking about a potential 20-game winner that 39 years lost. Tommy John, uh, I would have said you're crazy, but here we are. And um, I think he's getting ripped up. And I think as well, the teams of the past, you had a JV Colt, right? You had, you had two arms that were throwing fast 100 miles an hour up in the zone. That's the way they attacked. This year you're going to have a Justin Verland followed by a Framber Valdez, nothing but heavy sinkers from the left side. Uh, that's going to throw guys Because over a seven-game series, you for the seven arms you're seeing is over 100. You're going to tend to get that foot down a little quicker to be able to get one out. Well, 
you're not going to have that luxury this year. And so when you can try to adjust Justin Verlander for game one and then a Framber Valdez, who obviously he deserves high young votes as well. And I think he may be, he should be runner up to Justin Verlander. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's a, it's a luxury to have. And it, it just speaks how, how great this team's being built over the last six, seven years to sustain all the success. Looking at Jordan, 37 home runs on the year. Does he get to 40? Um, I'm going to say no just because they're probably going to give him a few days off uh, over the next eight games. Uh, if he gets a double dip in one game, I think he gets there. But um, it'd be great to see 40 home runs by, by Jordan. Obviously, if you follow me online, I, I have the running bit of calling him my son. So it's, uh, it'd be great for the brand. But uh, either way, he's had a, a heck of a year. And if it's not for Aaron Judge bearing down with a triple crown and breaking Maris's record, they'd be talking about Jordan MVP votes. Altuve's batting close to 300 at a 294 clip right now, You know, really adding some, some extra juice to this lineup, closing in on 2,000 career hits as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think no one's really talked about Jose Altuve this year nationally. Um, Surprising, surprising or surprising not, just due to him becoming the, the post boy for you know the alleged scandal. But he's he's at close to 900 OPS as well. That's a that's a dang good year. And so you have him hitting on all cylinders. Uh, obviously approaching two other hits, like you said. You have Bregman who's healthy. You have Tucker who's emerging to be a superstar. I think I'm going to take a future bet on him to win the 2023 MVP next year. You have Jordan. I mean. Uh, you just have this lineup that is just clicking. And it hasn't been like that in October's and September's past. You've had one guy kind of win you a series. Uh, but if you have a sustained lineup, one through seven, one through eight, that are just hitting, things get scary for the other other teams in the league. So um, baseball's hard. Baseball's difficult, especially in October. But these guys have walked so many at-bats. And Jose Altuve is leading the team um, out, of, out of that tunnel. Uh, I'll take that ten times out of ten. Wrapping up here, you know, who do you see really breaking out in the postseason? You know, you talked about Altuve, you know, Kyle Tucker having a great year. Jeremy Pena needs to come alive a little bit. Maybe Trey Mancini. Who do you see, you know, filling that role? Yeah, I think it's going to be Alex Bregman. Um, we all know, you guys know down there you know, how ultra competitive he is. Um, we've had the, obviously, we've had a great relationship with him, and the guy just competes, and he's just a, baseball freak we were at one of his we're at a foundation event where he was just a guest for his teammates and he just wouldn't stop talking about baseball he's just always thinking and talking about baseball and i really do think he has a sour taste in his mouth just playing hurt last year but all the outside noise and everything that came with that i think it's it's going to be his time to uh, kind of reintroduce himself to the league because we all know how competitive he is and how good he is but i, I think the league has kind of fallen asleep to that so I think it's going to be Alex Bregman's uh, October, and uh, I'm pumped to see that. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. We got one more for you, Dez, and this is more of like a lighthearted one. Our poll question of the day, it's what game, what sport did you enjoy playing most as a kid, organized-wise? I know you're a baseball guy. You'd probably go baseball, but if there was another one, what, what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um it's definitely baseball, but I I love playing football. I mean, football's king in, in Texas. It's a, its own religion. Um, it was it was always fun. I was you know my my buddy was a quarterback. I was a tight end, so we had that that rep, uh, what's it called rapport. Uh, 
to, uh, you know, throw a spread offense and, and all that stuff. So, um, obviously, baseball has is, is always been my baby, but football is, is king here in Texas as well as Louisiana with you guys. So, um, that has always been a, a dang good time. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU joining us for To the Moon. Dez, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the open roof of the juice box tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. I can keep going, but y'all don't want me to. Crunch time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 53 after the hour. All right, so... As as we as we wrap up today's show, you know, looking at just some interesting, you know, just details in in the world of sports. One of those being the NFL power rankings. Oh, a lot of a lot of people give their weekly power rankings, and looking at one of them, James, I really I really hoped we were going to avoid that topic of conversation. No, we're not going to. Okay. Uh, they have the Saints at 21. Which, that's generous, but okay. It's a little generous at this point, but at the same time, you look at other teams and you're like, are they really that much better than the Saints? The Saints suck. You're such a Debbie Downer. I am a Debbie Downer because you're... you have shown me nothing of positivity other than the defense and a rookie wide receiver. At 22, it's Chicago. I mean, that's fair. 23, New England. That's wrong. Next. Well, at the same time, doesn't look like Mac's going to be there for a hot little minute. Yeah, but that doesn't put you, you Brian, know, Brian uh, Brian Hoyer. He's been he's been there for a bajillion years. But hey, do you, what 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 you going to do when Brian Hoyer puts them in a three game winning streak? I would. laugh. What you going to say then? I would laugh. Exactly. Next, Pittsburgh. That's fair. Because you got Mitch, and boy, have I been wrong so far about Mitch. They, uh, need, they I, need to go to K. And I, and I knew that you would be, bud. Oh, excuse me. I knew that you would be. Uh, 25 is Detroit. I think Detroit's better than yeah, New Orleans they, right now. They are. They are. I really like what the Lions are doing. Looking at... Jared Goff, baby. Oof. He's the man. Uh, looking at Washington at 26. Oh, poor Ray. They're not better. Poor Ray. Seattle, they're not better. They should not be better. God. Atlanta, eh, I'd say pretty even. It's funny because they jumped four spots because they were last the previous week. That's where they belong. But yeah. <laughs> get twenty nine. It's Carolina. That's totally inaccurate. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that one since you lost to them, but at the same time, it's like you didn't really lose to them. You really beat yourself. Yep. You have the 0-3 Raiders. The Raiders. Yeah, that's fair. They're 0-3. Uh, 31, it's the 1-2 New York Jets, which is interesting because the only reason they won was because of an utter collapse by the Cleveland Browns in Week 2. It's the only reason they won. No. Yeah. And then last? Houston Texans. Yeah, that's fair. 
So uh, if we're looking at it, and then even looking a little ahead of the Saints, number 20 is the Colts and number 19, Cardinals. You'd probably say Saints could be 23. Yep. Because I'd put Detroit over them, and then you could maybe say New England. So quickly before we wrap up, I'm going to change the subject real quick. Uh, the United States men's soccer team uh-huh. played an international friendly against South Africa Ooh. today. No, no. Nice. They lost. Love I mean, it was, it was a draw. <laughs> um, they lost to Japan the other day. So now that was their last tune-up before the World Cup in November, and uh, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, which I found because, in, which I found interesting to begin with because you're doing this in November. It's going to be in December as well. Yeah. Like well, the the well, reason it's normally in the summer. Yeah, but they're playing it in Qatar. Qatar's temperatures in the summer are very very dangerous. Like some people aren't allowed to leave their houses. Dangerous temperatures. Uh, so that that's the reason why. Interesting. Okay. That's that's the reason why. Because in November it's still going to be ninety degrees. Um. So that that's why they're putting it in November this year. Uh, I want to thank our guest JT Crabtree for giving us a preview of South Alabama as well as Apollo Des for To the Moon. This has been Tuxedo Tuesday presented by Suit Up. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. And we'll see you tomorrow for a Who Dat Wednesday where we'll cry about the Saints together. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.